This is Urbanator Land. Production. Enjoy. My name is Sir. And I am not happy. This is a Halloween podcast. So sit back and relax and come with us on a journey to your past and your future. Right here on Jack's Lantern. Jack's Lantern. What I plan to do to you t- what I plan to do for you tonight. I'm not doing anything to you. Can't afford it. I'm going to play you three songs. Four songs. Three stories. To make up for a nice spooky Halloween. Why not? It'd be fun. Boogity boogity. And to do that, we also need sound effects. I'm going to add sound effects really quickly because I think that would be nice. And this isn't supposed to start until the 30 mark, 9.30. So I can add sound effects if I feel like it. I'll be available for chat. I'll be looking here to see who shows up. And I hope you do enjoy the stream as much as I enjoy doing it. And if you have any questions, please ask away. Otherwise, I'm going to start off with a song from Zerbatron called... This is fall 1982. It was written originally for Christopher Tupa for his Tupa cast, which came out 2015, 16, and 17, I think. And uh, the original song title is Big Pile of Leaves because I wanted to emulate the joy jumping in leaves like when you were a kid. So enjoy Big Pile of Leaves.
Remember them days? Taylor, how are you? I'm glad that you're, you're going ahead and spamming your album on my stream. No, I'm kidding. I'm very happy. Everybody check out my buddy Taylor Haskell. He's a rap artist. And his deluxe edition of an album that he did is available. So enjoy it. Now I'm going to start with a story. It's Halloween. You're cold. You're looking for candy. Look up in the sky. And a witch goes across. And you say... Remember that story about the amazing Hutzpah? The guy that could walk across that board and it would bow up and down and somebody messed with it? You hear about that story? I think it goes a little something like this. It's a long time ago. Deluxe edition not available yet, Taylor? Come on. Long time ago. Frederick Hutzbond was a funny-looking fellow. He was known for his talents, but also known for his quick temper and snobbish attitude. He spent most of his days performing in a one-man circus show that he spent countless hours preparing for. He could do the trapeze, he danced on a beach ball, he juggled pretty well too. His show was called The Amazing Hutzbond and His Walk of Fear. The walk of fear part was the best part of the act. He would climb to the very top of a huge pole, 50 feet into the air. And then he would walk a very thin and very long 30-foot plank. The amazing part was how much that plank would bow and bounce by the time he hit 15 feet in. He was bobbing up and down about 6 feet up and again 6 feet down for a full 10 seconds still walking across the very thin plank. But he never fell from that great height, and once he reached the other side, the crowd roared with delight that he completed such a feat. After one of his shows that ran very late into the night, an old man, a fan of Frederick's, came to get an autograph for his wife. Please, Mr. Hutzbond, my wife is homesick tonight. She really wanted to see you. But she just couldn't come. Breathing heavily from the bowing and bouncing, Frederick was very exhausted and waved the fan away to get some water and relax after his final performance. I have no time at the moment right now, if you would please. Oh, please, Mr. Hutzbond, just one signature. No need to exaggerate, just a simple... Please, sir. I've been walking the boat of death. If you've been walking on the boat of death this evening, I highly suggest that you consider what I might feel like at the present moment. But since you've never walked the plank of death, I bid you good day. Good heavens, sir, I don't mean to agitate. Just a simple... Frederick turned beet red as he slapped the autograph book out of the man's hand. I said good day. He stamped off to his dressing room and slammed the door. The man had tears in his eyes, and all he could see through his watery view was a sign hanging from the top of the tent, the amazing Hutzbond and his walk of fear. The old man wiped his eyes to clearly see a saw left behind from the construction of the circus tent. Blind with anger and distress, he picked up the saw and started to climb the 50-foot pole to the plank high above. Once at the top, he started to cut away at the plank until he heard the plank begin to split. 
He stopped and headed back down the pole and headed home. The next night, Frederick went on to perform his act for a full house. He was sold out from all the buzz from the act from the night before. The Amazing Hutzpah performed his best trapeze act, his best juggling, and even did a flip on the beach ball perfectly. The crowd was absolutely begging for more. A voice came over the crowd. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, get ready for the most amazing, incredible, astounding, and flabbergasting feat ever performed. The Amazing Hutzpah and his Walk of Fear. The crowd held their breath as he climbed all the way to the top of the 50-foot pole. He smiled for the audience and took a bow. Then he balanced himself and started to walk swiftly across the plank. By the time he reached the middle, the board snapped, sending Frederick down to the ground at a thrusting speed. And once he hit, the crowd panicked. The plank that snapped into two pieces came crashing down upon Frederick so hard that the first three rows of the audience were covered in blood. Not too far off in the distance, the old man heard this from his window. He heard the crowd gasp at the events taking place. He still had that saw in his hand, and he smiled and slowly closed his window. About an hour later, the old man was napping in his lounge chair when he awoke to the sound of a door slamming up the stairs. He sprang and stood in the dark, listening. He heard footsteps from the floor above. He ran up the steps to the closet to get the saw that he took from the circus tent, but it was gone. He heard his wife scream. He ran to the bedroom to find his wife laying face down on the pillow. Next to the bed lay the saw that was covered in blood. He slowly reached down and turned his crying wife over. Carved into her forehead were backwards letters that he couldn't understand. The old man looked in horror at his wife and then looked in terror at the pillow as it read, The Amazing Hutzpond. What'd you think? Spooky? Scurry? Again, you can get the album for free, Zerbinator.com, or you could get the Zerbatron album for free, Zerbinator.com, Fall Memories, and this one is called Spooky Spiderwebs for Halloween. And what they are are spiderweb stories that I've told in my podcast and now I've revamped nice and clean so that you can enjoy those and I wanted to put out a new one this year but did I get to it so for my next trick I would like to perform another song off the Zerbatron album and it's going to be called this right here ah October Night Walk fall 1987 I always loved going for walks especially the ages 16 17 and 18 in 1987 I was 17 and I love doing the night walks. So fun. You're not sure if you're scared of stuff or not, or if you're a grown-up. And that's what this is about. Don't mean to yell at you. I really don't.
Now you get to hear that sucker through the microphone, and I'm so sorry I left the microphone on for that. So you heard all my flaps and taps. Isn't that great? All right, I'm going to give you another story right now. We're going to continue onward on this wonderful special, which I like to title, Hey, what's up, man? The Halloween special for Jack's Lantern. If we're lucky tonight, Matt Lappy might join us around the 10 o'clock point, maybe, if I'm lucky. I got my phone just in case. Here's story number two called Seven. If you like the number seven like I do, because I was born 7 you're going to love the story. Happy Halloween, folks. It's time to talk about Seven. By the fall of 1984, Mr. Charles Shilgrates never believed in ghosts. He's heard the stories and he's been warned not to visit that old schoolyard late at night. But he did it anyway, just to prove the believers wrong. The stories included how the swings and the chains would rattle as if someone was getting on them or off. How a ball would roll up to you and if you didn't throw it back in the direction of which it came, you would get a rock thrown at your skull from another direction. His favorite story was how the fire bell could be heard late at night. And that's when you could hear the children screaming. The school had been there for many years. It was built way back. There was a terrible fire which killed the students and the faculty seven years after the school was built. All that remains now is a charred building and an empty playground. The land is never sold, nor has the school board ever decided what they wanted to do with the place. It's just decayed and rotted over the years. So many stories of ghosts have flourished about the schoolyard ever since. And Charles was tired of hearing all of them. Charles was about to celebrate his 77th birthday. And he was so excited because seven was his lucky number. You see, he was born on July 7th, 1907, at exactly 7 a.m. He always had seven of everything. He had three brothers and three sisters, making him the seventh child. He was born and raised in Maryland, and those of you who know your history will know that Maryland is the seventh state. He also attended the Andrew Jackson Elementary. Those of you who know your history know the value of that as well. Charles went to his birthday party, which was meant to be a surprise. But it was obvious that he would have a party. His brothers and sisters were all over the house that day. They were getting up there in age, and they were telling him about the days of Andrew Jackson Elementary. Don't you remember the fire, Charles? His older brother asked. So many died that day. Charles looked at his glass of wine and his cake. Seven candles. That's what he loved. You know, they can still hear those kids scream at night, they say. Charles just laughed and shrugged his brother's comments off. He was set to prove them all wrong. Once the party was over, Charles went over to that old school that night. The charred remains looming in the darkness. The wind was strong that night, and there were small branches scraping against what was left of those glass windows. Well, that explains the children's laughs, he said to himself. As he was standing by the old classroom where he had studied math many years ago, a ball rolled up to his feet. He picked it up. The wind had blown it there, he said to himself. A large pebble came rolling by his feet as well. He looked up and saw that it had come from the remains of the wall from the old school. That explains those pesky pebble throws. Must have been the wind, he said to himself. 
As he turned to go back home, he felt heat coming from behind him. He turned to see flames shooting straight up into the air. He panicked. He tried throwing dirt on the flame. But he couldn't find the object that was burning. The flame seemed to be floating over the ground. His coat caught on fire, so he quickly took it off. But his shirt caught on fire as well. He started to scream as he saw the flames grow and engulf him. And then he found himself lying on the ground, curled up in a ball, unharmed. Shaking and petrified, he uncurled and stood up slowly. There was nothing there. No burns, no flames, no wind, nothing. Just the charred remains of the school. His coat was back on, unburned. His eyes were tearing, and he was scared. He heard a child laugh and run away. He heard a child whisper, Goodbye, Johnny. Charles felt an overwhelming fear creep over him like a wave. He instinctively reached into his left pocket and grabbed seven matches, just like he did 70 years ago. Then he reached into his right pocket and pulled out the lighter fluid, just like he did 70 years ago. He remembered, and he fell to his knees crying hysterically. How could he have forgotten? The flames started again. I call that a bad day. I call it a very bad day. I hope you're enjoying tonight's special. I want to say a special hi to Mike Groshan, who has been working with me on the uh, Serbinator's Horror Nights podcast. And uh, we have one in the can that hasn't been edited yet and should be out hopefully before Halloween. It has to do with all of the Halloween movies, except for the last two that haven't been made yet. Uh, what else? Uh, Ken Hamilton, hello, a musical genius. An incredible horn player, an incredible bass player, and an incredible kind man who gave me that banjo you see me play all the time. Thank you for watching. Taylor Haskell, thank you for watching. And uh, I hope you're enjoying still. Thank you for being here. Anybody else that comes along, love to say hey to you. I'm going to chat a bit after this is all over. But we got a couple more songs and a couple more stories. I think, yeah, a couple more songs, one more story for you. So I'm going to continue with the next song, which happens to be... The Great Pumpkin, 1986. Wrote a song for The Great Pumpkin. It's actually called The Great Pumpkin Patch. And if you look out that window, my friends, you'll see The Great Pumpkin and his little minions, Snoopy, Linus, and the guy with no hair. Enjoy. The Great Pumpkin.
Sorry about that. I got a little carried away, didn't I? Well, a little, 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 little tiny bit. We got a two stories to go, one story to go, and one song to go. That's it. Ah, I just whipped myself in the neck with the headphone cable. Have you ever done that? You just drop it in, and then... Studio problems. All right. So where are we? First, I want to see who's talking. What's up, brother man? Mike Groshan, how you doing, Kenny? It's good to see you. Uh, who else? Anybody else? Ah, Ashley Bennett posted in Halloween. Good. Okay, so the last story tonight is one that has to do with Mike Groshan, a buddy of mine, John Clyburn, a buddy of mine, Tommy Sims, and a buddy of mine, Mike Sims. And it's the story of a haunted tunnel that I used to go through every year for 30 years because I built it in my backyard. And uh, hope you enjoy the story. It's a true story. Maybe. Every year I would put on a haunted house for Halloween in my front yard. I've done this for over 30 years now. This year I was so excited because I created a new feature for the little kitties to go through. I bought some PVC tubing, a black tarp, and a fog machine. I put the PVC tubing together and then I used rebar stick to hold it into the ground in two locations forming a giant arch. I made about 10 7 foot high arches this way. Then threw the tarp over the top and then attached the tarp with wire to hold it in place. Voila, a nice, long, spooky tunnel. I ran some power out to the tunnel and hooked up some orange Christmas lights on the inside. Then I hooked up the fog machine. This gave the tunnel a nice, ominous orange glow on the inside. It was a perfect addition to the skeletons and pumpkins and coffins. Not to mention This was going to be the best Halloween ever. Every year my friends would come over and help me out with the haunts. This Halloween I decided to take the haunted tunnel area to myself. I wanted to hide near the exit of the tunnel and jump out as the kids went by. I put on my favorite ghoul mask and wore some ripped clothes. I was set. I could see the first group of kids coming down my street. They were heading this way towards the house, so I yelled to everyone, Places, people! My buddy Tommy ran to the Frankenstein scene, and my buddy Joe grabbed his axe for the Friday the 13th scene. My buddy Mike jumped into a coffin for the Dracula scene. The children came up the walk and headed for the tunnel. I hit the fog machine button and waited. I loved this feeling every year. That middle of the evening fog-hazed pumpkin patch feeling. The feeling of being scared out of your wits. with the wall of feeling safe no matter what happened. I am in charge of providing suspense and anticipation all at the same time. And then I'm giving candy trophies for it. How awesome is that? After about three minutes, I noticed that no one was coming out of the other end of the tunnel. I looked over at my buddy Joe, and he just shrugged his shoulders. Tommy pointed over to the sidewalk to show that more kids were coming. So I sat back down in my chair and waited as they entered the tunnel. (laughs) 
After another two minutes, I looked into the tunnel. The tunnel was filled with fog and I couldn't see my hands in front of my face, let alone finding any children. I couldn't see anyone or anything. I couldn't hear anyone or anything. I asked Joe if he saw anyone come out of the entrance and leave. He said they went in, but no one came out. Another batch of children went in giggling and laughing. I walked alongside them on the outside of the tunnel, just listening. Once they got toward the middle, something strange happened. There was absolute silence. Tommy and Mike came over to the tunnel and peered in. Joe walked up and commented on how ridiculous all of this was, and then he stammered off into the tunnel. Joe? Joe! Dead silence. Tom and Mike stared at me as if I had the answers. I truly have nothing to do with this. Tommy put his hands up in the air, ranting and raving about what, why, and how, and Mike just put his hands on his hip and stared at me, waiting for the punchline. After about ten more minutes, parents were arriving, demanding the whereabouts of their children. I was starting to freak out. I contemplated tearing down the tunnel. I looked into the tunnel to see what could have happened. But the fog was still way too thick. Just an orange pulsing glow hung in the air of the tunnel. I was just about to go inside when the policeman arrived and said, Hey, you! I went over and spoke with them about some of the calls that they received from neighbors stating that some children's came to my house but didn't come out. I was in deep trouble. I turned and ran as fast as I could towards the tunnel and I made about halfway in when I felt the ground leave my feet. I remembered falling so fast. The wind was flushing past my ears. I could strongly smell rotted, decayed leaves from the fall. And the sweet smell of pumpkins. With a painful bounce, I landed on my stomach in a huge pile of leaves. I got the wind knocked out of me as I rolled back and forth, whimpering in pain in the pile of leaves. I sat up and realized that I was in my own leaf pile at the curb in front of my house. I looked and I could see Mike and Tommy and Joe coming out of my front door heading to their stations for the haunt. I looked around and saw the same first group of children walking down the street towards my house. So I got up and I limped over to the tunnel. Look at the monster! The kids shouted as I scurried and limped over to the tunnel. I furiously attempted to pull up the PVC pipes. Tommy, help me! I shouted. I was too late. The first group went in. My hands fell to my side. No one came out. I ran back inside the tunnel and fell once again, this time landing even harder than the first. I truly was in more pain than I felt in a long time. I got up on my feet again and slowly stumbled back up towards the tunnel. People were laughing and pointing at me while I moaned and cried, desperately trying to keep the kids away from the tunnel. I called Tommy over to me and tried to convince him to close the tunnel. He said he liked my performance, 
but not to make it look so fake, and then walk to the scene. I started to cry. The first group of kids were coming again, and I couldn't stop them. I tried to stand in front of the tunnel, but I couldn't keep my balance, and I couldn't stand still. But somehow the kids just came up thinking I was some kind of monster or something, and they pushed me aside and went into the tunnel. After following them in a third time, I landed the hardest ever. I think I broke something this time. I have never felt this much pain in my life. Out of my leaf pile again, I slowly crawled back up to the sidewalk, then to the steps of my house. Everyone was clapping, stating how much they were enjoying the zombie in the front yard. Even Mike and Joe were enjoying it. I reached my hand up to the sky, and I felt my eyes close. The next morning I awoke in the middle of the tunnel. No pain, not covered in leaves. I vaguely remember having a dream about falling and entering some kind of tunnel, but I can't remember much more than that. Tommy, Mike, and Joe were all sleeping in their sleeping bags around me. I slowly realized that Halloween was this morning, and I was so excited because tonight I get to debut my new haunted tunnel. Man, do I love those days. 30 years of haunts. Uh, longest with me is Mike Groshon did about 15 of them. Gave the tours. And Tommy showed up over and over again. I always, uh, always could count on them to show up and do something, which I think was great and made all the haunts awesome. So I thank you all those years, guys, for doing everything you did. I'm going to end tonight. And this is the final part. I did pretty good. A 35-minute stream there so far. We're going to end with the Halloween theme from the Halloween movies as covered by me. We'll see how long Facebook keeps this up. Did this all myself. Uh, I did it with a uh, set of hands. And I did it with a pen and a shot glass. ding a ding a ding a ding And keyboards for bass and strings. Enjoy the Halloween theme.
thank you for watching. I hope you have a very, very pleasant Halloween. I miss you.